You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. We've kind of like split a portfolio into everyday living and training and racing, and we can talk about the the, the rationale behind all that. But you know, some would say that we're a low carb company. Well, actually, we do both, and it's it's exactly the same as training and racing. Is that we would clearly structure our training differently relative to the nature of the race. Uh, even within a training session and within a race, there's different points of aerobic and anaerobic uh, intensity. And for that reason, uh, it's not just about carbs, it's not just about fat. The magic happens when you can oxidize both simultaneously. And that's what we've been working with Dan on in the labs is to understand as you go into training, different intensities, if you go into racing, you know, what is the shift and the change of that substrate, of that fuel, um, as a function of what you're doing in that training or in that racing session. It's not all about one type of food or one type of substrate. That was Leighton Phillips. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Leighton Phillips, founder of S-Fuels, a next-level performance sport and active lifestyle nutrition and fueling company. What started with one energy bar has grown into a portfolio of low-carb and keto food drink products that support enhanced fat oxidation training and a product set and protocol for high-intensity interval training and racing for all you endurance athletes out there. Beyond their awesome blueberry cocoa bars, they have a Keto 3 breakfast cereal, a Revival recovery chocolate shake mix, which is amazing, a super innovative gel powder, which you mix with water and create your own gels, and multiple flavors of endurance drink mixes. S-Fuels Nutrition trains metabolic flexibility, which is the ability to burn fat and carbohydrates efficiently for optimal energy, faster recovery, and long-term wellness. It's all about leveraging the right fuel at the right time to match aerobic and anaerobic intensity. All of the products have been tested and tried in labs and out on the field at the highest level of competition from the Olympics World Championships of Ironman, the Super League Triathlon, PTO, track world record platforms, and so much more. During our conversation, Leighton and I sync up about where the idea for S-Fuels began, how the products have been game-changing for athletes at all levels around the globe, how his career in naturopathic medicine informed the formulas and innovation behind S-Fuels. And of course, I get the scoop on Leighton's athletic background, what he is doing currently to stay fit and what's on the horizon. And S-Fuels is offering Marnie on the Move listeners a special offer. 
buy any train product and receive a Keto 3 breakfast cereal for free. The code is SFUELSMARNIE and it's valid from today, October 14th, until October 19th at midnight. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. It's easy. Head over to wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through the episodes, click on five stars, and then click on leave a review and tell us what you love about the podcast. Also, feel free to screenshot this episode and share it on your social channels. Tag us and we'll tag you back. Now, on to my conversation with Leighton. Leighton, it's so great to have you on the podcast. And I'm dying to hear about S-Fuels and the incredible products that you are offering and where the idea for your company came from. Well, thanks. Firstly, thanks for having us on, Manny. Great to meet, obviously, in Utah and great to catch up now. And yeah, it's like a lot of the companies and products that, you know, you come across, it kind of comes about because of a feeling of a gap in the, in the market. Um, there seems to be problems or problem statements that need to be addressed. Um, like many of us, we've been in the sport and you kind of run into some of these problems, whether they're handlebars or wheels or nutrition or whatever right. it is. Yeah. So uh, for us, it was, uh, we were doing ultra running in Asia, uh, felt like the consistency and training volume was getting constrained by just how rapidly you could bounce back after your long sessions and do it all over again. Right. Um, so we started, you know, my, my background's in naturopathic medicine. So uh, we started doing some testing, just building the products ourselves, um, and really trying to understand how the, how the product was reacting with us. And then just so far you can go when you build it yourself. Then we had to go to California and work with some labs and folks there on really doing the product uh, in a commercial context, in a prototype commercial context. We, you might have seen the SF and S fuels. Um, right. it, it doesn't stand for San Francisco. Um, it, it's it stands for spike free, and the reason for that was all of our development in the early days was all about trying to understand how our products were reacting with fasting blood sugars. And we were trying to avoid a, a, a free spike or there'd be no spike as you would consume the product. So we would use a standard fasting blood glucose testing protocol. Um, and that's how we began developing these products and all in the spirit of, we wanted to not trigger an insulin response that would blunt fat oxidation. So that's really the basis of where we started and, you know, a lot's happened since then, but um, that was the early days. It was, it was only five years ago, so it wasn't that long ago. Right. And you're partners <laughs> with your wife, right, Nicole? Yeah, she she's ex-Nestle. Um, so she had a background in food, in the food industry. And then I had a background in endurance sport. I mean, I started in swim scops when I was five years old. And we can talk about some of the, you know, ultras and things, but she's really out of the food industry. I, I was out of, you know, naturopathic and medicine. And uh, that's how it came together. And obviously since then, we've had, you know, Dan Plews, we've had Zach Bitter, we've had Dave Scott, different folks joined the company. And uh, yeah, we can talk more about that. Yeah, Dan is your chief science officer. Yeah, because he uh, he obviously has a lot of access to lab. And frankly, it's not just a lab, you know, he runs a um, uh, PhD program down there in New Zealand. And um, that's useful in the spirit of us kind of validating new concepts and products or, you know, 
fear or, or what we would, you know, hypotheses that we'd want to turn into proven validated products. So uh, it's super useful working with Dan and he's no, uh, he's no slow catch himself, right? In, I know he in, in holds trap. the world record for Kona, which. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we, we met Dan when we had one product and it was a bar product and it kind of wasn't overly like it was, it's useful obviously in, 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 post-training and we've actually had a lot of people used in racing, but it was never designed for that. But we developed with Dan our first fluid hydration products and it's our yeah. train product. We can talk more about that and how we, why we built that and how we built that. But anyway, he used that coming into his campaign to go after the world record. We were there on, the, on at that week with him and, you know, just, I remember sitting out on the Queen K and see him come past uh, Marinda Caffrey and probably the last, um, you know, it was really at the Hill where Mark and Dave had the, 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 the battle, like, uh, you know, several decades ago. And that was when he came past and it wasn't just a slow drift pass. He ran 251 that day. So yeah. on the marathon. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, that was our first, uh, that was still a training product. It wasn't even our race product. And um, since then, we've now got about, I don't know, 15 products. So it continues to build. What's the scope of products that you offer at S-Fuels? We've kind of like split a portfolio into everyday living and training and racing. Okay. And we can talk about the, the the rationale behind all that. But, you know, some would say that we're a low-carb company. Well, actually... We do both. And it's it's exactly the same as training and racing is that we would clearly structure our training differently relative to the nature of the race. Uh, even within a training session and within a race, there is different points of aerobic and anaerobic uh, intensity. And for that reason, uh, it's not just about carbs. It's not just about fat. The magic happens when you can oxidize both simultaneously. Right. And that's what we've been working with Dan on in the labs is to understand as you go into training, different intensities, if you go into racing, you know, what is the shift and the change of that substrate, of that fuel um, as a function of what you're doing in that training or in that racing session? It's not all about one type of food or one type of substrate. Right. So what is it about? How? What are the unique differences between what you would use to fuel during training and maybe a zone two session or a low intensity session versus racing and, and going, you know, all out or in a, you know, more of a tempo pace like you. I mean, just very similar to uh, training, right? The, the intention, of course, in zone two is you're trying to lay down, you know, just raw aerobic capacity, fat oxidation, improvement, mitochondrial density. Uh, that's what happens in zone two. If you're, you know, 10 hours a week, a strong base foundation to do that. Look, at that intensity, the preferential substrate use is fat. And that is what the body will get increasingly efficient at using. And what we try to do with our training products is eliminate carbohydrate. Like you'll even see the use of uh, medium chain triglyceride fats, but they attach them to like a, a multidextrin or something. And it's useless because you, you're still giving a, a, a some form of carbohydrate. So what we're doing with uh, our coaches and athletes around the world is really trying to help them to really structure the base of their foundation on zone two fat ox improvement. Uh, we can talk some numbers and lab numbers soon. There was a fascinating podcast, by the way, by Peter Atier, and uh, he had on uh, on his show, Inigo Samalan, who sits in the Colorado University, a whole two or three hours on zone two and aerobic 
uh, capacity and what happens to fat oxidation and lactate clearance and mitochondrial density. And, you know, that they have no association with S fuels, but it was a fascinating technical discussion on that. But that's exactly what we do. So in the product, um, it attaches the medium chain triglyceride to a collagen. And the only other things that are in there is electrolytes and glutamine. And the intention of that is to begin to stress the body on using the enzymes involved in the oxidation of that fat mm-hmm. as it comes you know, out of the digestive system and into the blood. The reason we use that particular fat is because um, it's the fastest. It comes straight out of the liver and into the blood supply where your long chain fats have got to go through the lymphatic system. It's a very slow, it's not that functional in a sports uh, usage context. And so you have gels, you have protein powders, you have bars. Talk to me about the actual like specifics. Those uh, train products is just a hydration drink for that zone two work. And then as you get into higher intensity training and obviously racing, there's you know different substrates then that the body will begin to access. Obviously as your intensity increases, the amount of carbohydrate that will be oxidized increases. But there's a key protocol that we've driven and we've gone on and validated in the labs with Dan, and that is that, you know, prior to a high-intensity session or, you know, if you're lying on the couch, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, the trigger, of course, to open up the uh, channels in the muscle cells to glycogen or to glucose uh, is insulin. Um, as you begin to move and exercise, the contraction of the muscles actually trigger that same channel, the GLUT4 transporters to mm-hmm. open up in the cells. And that's what will allow the glucose to come in, but without insulin. Why that's important is because our protocol suggests that for the first, you know, prior to high intensity and during that first 30 to 60 minutes is not to use any carbohydrate whereby you're trying to accelerate the opening of those channels Once those channels are open, without insulin, you can be oxidizing uh, simultaneously carbohydrate and fat. And that's where you want to get to. That's when the magic can start happening. And the work that we did with Dan in the labs is to show the classic, you know, carbo load, whether the night before or the morning of, what that does to blunt the fat oxidation. So firstly, from a protocol perspective, our gel and drink products for racing and high-intensity training it absolutely uses a carbohydrate, but our protocol is that it not be used uh, prior to and the first 30 to 60 minutes of that training session. Once those channels are open, you can take in the glucose, you can, I should say, take in the carbohydrate and take yeah. in the fats and it can burn um, efficiently uh, simultaneously. Um, and we can talk more about actually what we're using in there. It's quite a unique yeah, uh, that's form what of I was carbohydrate. Gonna, I was just about to ask you, like, what are you using in your products that make it unique and set it apart from other products that are out there? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I just say, what we're not using, we don't use any fructose, we don't use any maltodextrin, we don't use any sugar alcohols in any of our products, in fact. And that's important. I mean, it's just well studied on fructose and gut uh, reactions, actually, regardless of sport. But uh, we use a branch cyclic dextrin, and what they do is they actually mix enzymes with a a, a long-chain carbohydrate, a starch, and it breaks it down, and so it's like pre-digested, if you will. So the thing is, if you were to think about the use of any form of carbohydrate when you're not exercising, obviously we don't promote that at all. We're not a we're not a um, a strict keto, certainly for athletes, uh, advocate company. But in the instance of high intensity training or racing, you're really looking for rapid movement. Uh, when you need it, you need it now. 
Right. So the the reason we use this particular carbohydrate, it has a very interesting osmolality uh, characteristic, and that means that it can come through the gut extremely fast. It's 30% faster than glucose. And again, if you're lying on the couch, this is not what you would use. This is used for high intensity when you need it. So we use that. We, we, we mix that with the medium chain triglycerides. We have quite a high dose of glutamine in there and we can talk why we use glutamine. It's a very strong, probably comes from my nat- naturopathic background, just very strong gut support. Uh, it's still the number one reason why people don't finish these races is gut problems. It's not yeah. um, problems with- oh, uh, I always you know, have gut problems when I'm racing. I always, especially on the run, I've been testing out my nutrition now for, I don't know, the past like year and a half. So what is the role that glutamine plays? It's an amino acid. It's actually the most prevalent amino acid in the body. And, you know, it's it's one of those amino acids that uh, when the body's under a tremendous strain, and this, you'll see this most studied if you look at the research in um, chronically ill or in emergency uh, wards, like burn victims and things like that. So like, think cancer patients that are bed bound for extremely long periods and they have a catabolic state uh, you'll see that their glutamine loads are just, you know, plummeting because it's the thing that supports, uh, if you will, the anabolicness, uh, nature, sorry, uh, both in muscle and gut tissue. And one of the things you'll find is in endurance sport is that the core temperature heightens that much that the gut membrane begins to become more permeable uh, to what's inside it. And that, of course, has an inflammatory response, uh, you know, typically a few days later. So why we use the glutamine in both our training and racing products, it's not just about, you know, the performance of the day. It is, this is about that the, typically the athlete wants, you know, to feel half decent uh, after the race and they want to, you know, stand up and do it all again in the future. Yeah. This is about the longevity of this lifestyle. It's not about just a one-off shoot and go. So we've tried to build um, some nutrition into the product that really addresses that gut uh, membrane, uh, which is really under fire in this type of sport. That is a really interesting. There's a blog on our site, by the way. Uh, We wrote an article called The Ultra Gut, and it goes into all the science behind what actually happens in the gut during, you know, whether it's ultra running or marathon or, or Ironman, et cetera. And it's worth a read because it's actually a very well-studied area. It's There's a lot of material on this. Everyone is so different. Like everyone's body is so different. So people respond differently to different products also, For which sure. is something that sure. I've learned. All right. Shout out to our series partners, Revitin. Revitin is my go-to when it comes to toothpaste and oral health. I have been using it for years. Revitin is a prebiotic toothpaste that is an all-natural vitamin and mineral rich formulation that gently cleanses, whitens teeth, and freshens breath while helping to restore gums and reduce harmful plaque. It's free of SLS, synthetic detergents, or additives and contains no harsh chemicals, fluoride, artificial colors, sweeteners, or dyes. Created by biologic dentist Dr. Jerry Curatola, Years ago, when he recognized the need for a new and effective oral care product that could support sustainable health within the mouth. Revitin fosters a balanced oral environment with beneficial microorganisms that optimize nutrient absorption and act as the body's first line of defense. The oral microbiome is the gateway to optimal 
full body health. So make sure you take care of it with a great toothpaste that does not have fluoride or harmful chemicals. Get started now with Revitin Prebiotic Toothpaste. Use our code MARNIE15 at Revitin.com to jumpstart your health. That's M-A-R-N-I-1515 at Revitin, R-E-V-I-T-I-N.com. Now, back to our conversation. Talk to me a little bit about your background as a naturopath. How did you get into that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember dad took me to my first um, naturopathic lecture. It's going to sound kind of kind of crazy. When I was 11 years old, <laughs> and uh, I listened to a, a Dr. Bernard Jensen, who's regarded as probably one of the forefathers of the of the naturopathic science. And I had a love love for it all since then. You know, I, I went into high school track and field and got into endurance sport, but then I went and studied naturopathic medicine in Australia for six years and practice for several years. I found that actually practice itself, it's quite a lonely existence, even though you're seeing patients all the time, it's quite a a lonely uh, existence, but I love the science of it all. You know, I still just read a ton uh, pretty much every day on uh, various aspects of research going on in that area. Do you use it still, especially like during the pandemic and for COVID? Were there any things that you were doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I certainly don't want to advocate in a, in a public sense, kind of that this is applies to everyone. But uh, I felt that uh, the zinc, the vitamin D data that was kind of coming out, yeah, was quite consistent with uh, immune tolerance. But one of the most fascinating areas I found in in the pandemic was, you know, in the U.S., they had this um, COVID base, which was, um, if you will, a consolidation around the world of various either formal, informal studies going on at universities or in hospitals or what have you, and really trying to understand, you know, different, um, if you will, environmental diet, lifestyle, as much as medicine affects on COVID. And one of the very interesting studies they did was they put all of the data through an AI engine and they found that the most common denominator out of all the studies uh, in terms of lowest, I should say highest tolerance and lowest COVID risk was uh, low, uh, low blood glucose. And conversely, high blood glucose was one of the most consistent markers of, uh, of COVID infection. So you know, I don't want to connect docs where they shouldn't be connected, um, mm-hmm. but it clearly seems to be a relationship between blood glucose level and immune response. And certainly you see that in diabetic patients. So as much as we talk about, you know, live low in terms of a low carbohydrate diet and lifestyle yeah. from a athletic perspective, I think there is just increasing uh, data behind the role of that in, um, you know, holding off chronic disease, but in this particular COVID study, maybe also in some of this acute infection area. I actually was paying a lot of attention to that, like during the pandemic. And I approach everything from like an alternative, non-medical perspective. And I'm always looking for ways to find solutions through food and through any kind of naturopathic or alternative, non-disruptive to your system. I think it's great that that is your background and that's what you did. And like that really gives me some solid confidence around the product and the science behind it. So that's cool. The other interesting area, Marnie, was, uh, and this is not 
related to COVID at all specifically, but yeah. um, there's some interesting uh, studies. And this was actually some, this is not recent research. This is quite some time back where the molecule of uh, ascorbic acid and hemoglobin is actually very similar. And um, what you'll find is that glucose and ascorbic acid competes. Uh, the white blood cells, particularly, the, there's a competition, if you will, between the intake of glucose and vitamin C. And you'll find that a lot on the market today where a ascorbic acid is kind of impregnated into a, like a, what do you call them? Like a gel, a uh, gummy yep. type thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem with a lot of this, and you see it also in the juice kind of industry too, is that um, that competition where glucose and ascorbic acid is side by side, the glucose will win on yeah. getting into the cells and your ascorbic acid, frankly, is uh, lost in urine. So you know, one of the guidances we would give is just in trying to improve immune function where ascorbic acid is being used is to keep it separate from, yeah. uh, you know, any carbohydrate consumption. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Like the growth and how are you expanding the business? Yeah, I think there's kind of two emerging segments. Uh, we actually have our view on a third and we can chat about that. But firstly, like the the core of our business has been an endurance sport. And, um, you know, Dan was, of course, one of our elites that first engaged with us. But, you know, we've had as much as Ironman like distance athletes, we, mm -hmm. we bought on Hayden Wilds uh, a year and a half ago to join us and start working with us in the labs and using the products. And, you know, he's an athlete that last year started winning the Super League triathlon, uh, some of those events. He comes to the Olympics, he gets a, um, a medal at the Olympics. He goes to the Xterra Games at the end of the year. He wins the, he wins the World Championship at the Xterra. Um, you know, he just went to the Commonwealth Games and effectively was winning until he got put in the penalty box and, you know, uh, it was just an unfortunate outcome. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's now the number one ranked WTC triathlete mm -hmm. in the world. And my point with all that is, you know, what you would do in an Ironman and what you would do in an Olympic distance with fueling for the in the race is quite different. But when you get to training, you know, Hayden is still looking at, you know, how does he in zone two uh, sessions still improve fat ox, metabolic, uh, sorry, mitochondrial density, lactate clearance. But of course, he's doing a lot more high intensity training and obviously the racing uh, being the Olympic type distance. So firstly, I think the S-Fuels product is beginning to kind of span its relevance because it's not, if you will, a purely a low carb positioned entity. It's not a high carb thing. It's where we're trying to do this right fuel, right time message of, well, what is it that the event is that you're structuring around and how do we set your training up to really hone that oxidation for the fuel that will be used, you know, in the nature of your event. So Hayden's come on board. We had a really interesting piece of work that we're doing with a Ironman age grouper that really has only been in the sport for four years. He was a, he was a CrossFit athlete, actually, this, this particular athlete. Uh, Matt Kerr is his name. And Matt started, he actually started doing some work with Dan initially on Dan's protocol and then got introduced to S-Fuels. Uh, his original fat oxidation was 0.53 uh, grams per minute. So if you do the math on that across an Ironman race, you know, you really 
at about 40 kilometers left to go on the bike where you've pretty much exhausted everything, unless you're getting into these obscene, you know, 90 grams per hour uh, ratios, which then of course all the gut problems begin. So Matt now oxidizes 1.8 grams per minute. So almost three times the amount of fat per minute. What that means is he can get through the bike and about uh, a third of the run before he really has to take on, you know, carbohydrate in a material way. Of course, he takes it on through the through the ride and the run, but from right. a pure technical perspective. And what's really interesting with that particular case, uh, Mani, is that he his power on the bike back when he started was like 125 watts at his maximum fat oxidation level. Now he's at 300 watts. Um, at his maximum fat oxidation level. So some would say you lose your top end. You know, we we uh, we worked with Zach Bitter, right? Well, he churned out 100 miles uh, sub. I think it was, I got to look at it exactly, but it was 11 hours and nine minutes to set the world record for 100 miles on the treadmill during COVID. And, um, you know, if you look at what he took in carbohydrate-wise, it was 13 serves of 22 grams across the 11 hours, it's just not a lot of carbohydrates. So uh, you don't lose your top end if you train both both systems, fat and uh, carbohydrate oxidation. So we feel like the core of our business is really spanning down into Olympic and then got, getting out to the ultra running. Right. But then the second segment, like because we kind of went down this path of right fuel, right time, if you think about lifestylers that may not be competing as such, but they are trying to follow a low carb diet, we actually think there is a place for, if you will, a keto on the go type of set of products that support non-competing uh, low carb lifestylers. So think of Pilates, yoga, recreational joggers, CrossFit. So we have began to really develop and package and position into that segment. We think there's just plenty of opportunity to innovate around that particular segment. So yeah, I think there's plenty of uh, growth. Um, we're just getting started, to be honest. So just, I want to rewind for a second back to the athlete that was 125 watts and then went to 150 and being able to process X amount. Was it process the carbohydrates at that level or was it the fats? Yeah, so that's what they call fat max. So basically what they'll do is- How do you get that formula also? Like how does that formula come to be? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's labs in every town that run this. You can go to the universities here in North Carolina. There's a specific lab. Anyway, they'll either put you on a treadmill or on a bike. And I think Dan would suggest that the say, bikes. <laughs> what would Dan yeah. say? Yeah. Yeah. He, he suggests the bikes probably more, well, put it this way. You remove the running inefficiency or the change in efficiency through the test on a bike. Right. It okay. becomes very structured. So Anyway, they would ramp the intensity over, and there's different protocols, typically a 20 minute, they'll have a warm up, and then a 20 minute ramping of the intensity. And it's effectively a VO2 max test. Right, I was going to say. They'll have a metabolic cart that you're you know, breathing into. And essentially what they're doing is they're calculating your respiratory oxygen and carbohydrate changes in ratio as a function of how you're burning fat and carbohydrate. And what they'll see is that as that an intensity ramps that your fat oxidation amount will reduce and your carbohydrate uh, amount will increase in terms of what's being oxidized. So 
what they're saying for this particular athlete is that the most maximum point in that intensity curve where he was burning the most fat before it began to drop off, he went from being able to push 125 watts to now 300 watts. So that's kind of the, the background to that. And that comes down to like training and the quality of products that you're using. Well, yeah. So it's a mix and, you know, the nature of training, his coach, you know, Dan's been involved and professor Grant Schofield who, you know, worked with Dan in the early days of Endure IQ. Um, but, you know, they would just to give you some context to, you know, there's always gradients of intensity, how you apply some of these things. And, but for a guy that had a vision and a desire to ultimately race in a world championship, his work on, you know, optimizing that fat oxidation level included, you know, sessions like eight hour fasted rides. Right. You know, and you are really pushing the body to, there is no glycogen in the liver or next to nil in the liver and the, and the muscle cells. You're forcing the body to use fat. And at the end of the day, you still need something to drink. You still need some electrolytes when you're doing eight hours. So right. the train product gives that, you know, MCT fats, it gives electrolytes and obviously the, the fluid. So that's where we worked with Matt on really honing that uh, fat ox capability. And now do you talk to me a little bit about your gel powder? Because that's very cool. And I want to understand more about how that works and how athletes are using that. To be honest, we we came at it like we were looking at ver multiple different formats from your classic like blocks that you see on the on the market mm -hmm. to to obviously your sachets. We felt like you know what um, this is generally an in race product, and we felt there was a sustainability uh, green aspect to approaching. If you're going to create a product out of the blocks and you have a a, a clean slate we felt we could create something that you can enter a race and leave the race without leaving a single package on the race. Got it. We developed this powder, um, which is a, it takes our race plus drink product. And then it just changes the taste profile because as a gel, it's concentrated. Mm -hmm. um, so that it's not, you know, overly bearing sweet or salty or what have you. So and then you mix it with water and then we have these gel bullets and they can hold to three or 400 calories of, uh, of fuel. So, you know, in a, in a marathon, like for Matt, for example, in Utah, he had three of those bullets in the back of his race Jersey. Uh, he replaced them at the, um, at the special needs, uh, halfway point, you know, that's how he used it. And it's, it's the same formulation as our race plus drink products, but it's, it's just flavor, optimized so it's not it's not too strong so you yeah. also have an endurance drink mix which you share which you sell as well yeah the train product is what we use for that training zone two development work okay. and then the drink the race plus drink is what we use for high intensity plus uh racing mm -hmm. high intensity training workouts and and uh and racing and then we have the gel which is you know the same formulation, but basically built for a concentrated, you know, form of consumption, i.e. a gel. So yeah, it's going really well. In fact, um, and you also have bars. Yeah. The bars are still a super hot product for us. Like I said at the start, like, honestly, we did not build and formulate those to be an in-race product. 
Right. But we have a lot of athletes who just want to chew on something, but they really want it to be easy on the gut, you know, so they've been really quite successful for in racing use also. Yeah, they're great on the bike. I mean, I'm obviously yeah. that's the only place you can eat a bar. Yeah. In a triathlon. I think I tried the blueberry flavor one when cool. I was in Utah. Yeah, it was really good. And then we have a breakfast cereal. I don't know if you you saw that in Utah, but no. uh, we're doing a lot of work right now on really understanding um, uh, postprandial. So meaning like after your first meal of the day, what happens to your blood sugars as a function of what you had in the first meal of the day. Um, because you'll see this kind of almost like, it's almost like a stunt now on social media where they'll test your blood sugars and see the response of a food. And it's, it's kind of okay, but in reality, what you've got to really look at is not just the response to the food as you take it, but how does your various hormonal systems react for the rest of the day or the next 12 hours in that just because you're low blood sugars at the, at the start of the day, does that create a desire for more grabbing high carbohydrate type products in the rest of the day? And it's exactly what happens. If you have a low calorie, I should say a low carbohydrate and no calorie, you see this with sodas, like, you know, zero sodas, there's no calorie in them. So what will happen is you feel like you're doing the right thing, but four hours later, you pound something else with carbohydrates because you not only had no, 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 no sugar or sweet, but you had no calories at all. So what we did is tested, you know, classic, um, rolled oats. And then we compared that with our S fuels, uh, keto three breakfast cereals. And we wanted to understand not just for that, you know, 30 minutes, but we did 30, 60, 90 minutes, what happens. And then, you know, what happens down the track? Do you, do you need to go and pound something else? And we just published actually some data on that and we put it out into a blog article that uh, kind of helps substantiate that. Yeah, you have some great articles on your website. So that's helpful if people want to learn more about the product and also if they want to read about the research that you're doing. Do you think it's a good pre-race food because it has a good mix of carbohydrates and protein? I mean, yeah, look, obviously we're biased, um, but we built it partially for everyday use. One of the things like I talked about earlier with um, prior to high intensity training or racing, if you're trying to minimize any insulin response before you get actually into the activity whereby those channels open up without Mm -hmm. insulin, you really should be shooting for that pre-race meal to be of things that are not going to trigger insulin. So you know, your eggs or your bacon or avocado, things like that. None of these things will do it. Well, same with our keto three. And that's what we put into this uh, research article is where a rolled oats would have a 56 point boost on your blood glucose level. It was like, you know, 10 or 12 points on a keto three is like very minimal. And it, you would like in a rolled oats, you would see this rapid spike and rapid come down. The rapid coming down is actually the insulin at work. What you'll see with the keto three is there's really a low and smooth response to uh, blood sugar. So you don't have that strong insulinogenic response. Right, that's why it's really great to have carbohydrates with protein because it takes down that- Slows slows it down. Slows it down from spiking. How did you get into endurance sports? Yeah, I, I swam competitively from five years old. I did track and cross country in high school. And during that time, I mean, this was like, I'm kind of telling you everything now, the the 80s. 
you know, triathlon was, this was still the time of the big four, right? This was Melina, Tinley, Dave Scott, Mark Allen. Um, and so I, I started triathlon then and I was, you know, a top 10 finisher uh, in Australia, most races, but uh, it was really, um, I would say in my, what would that be? Mid twenties to late twenties, early thirties that I got into, I would say true endurance sport where I, I signed up. I hadn't, I hadn't done a marathon and I signed up for racing the planet, which is a 250 kilometer, six day race. Uh, So so I kind of went from 10 K, you know, Olympic distance triathlons to 250. So that was kind of cool. Um, it was just a fantastic experience in Vietnam. I've done four or five hundred K races. I qualified for ultra trail Mont Blanc and I went across to Chamonix raced that in 2016 and, it wasn't an elegant race, I got to tell you. And this was before, fabulous, uh, we, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got 30,000, over 30,000 feet of vertical climb on it, um, but it's the most magic course you've ever seen in your life. And I've been back since and done the 50K and the 40K there. And I did two 70.3s the last few years. I went out to Hawaii this year and I went to Utah last year. So um, I do enjoy it. I really enjoy it. But it kind of getting to an age now where, I, I probably have to do more strength work uh, to maintain um, just the volume. I think competitiveness yeah. uh, needs just just good strength uh, to do the kind of volume that uh, I want to do. That's what everyone says. It's like as you get older, you start to lose a lot of your muscle and fitness. And the only yeah. way to kind of keep your mitochondria going and like keep your fitness levels up and stay strong is you kind of have to work like twice as hard as you used to. Yeah, I feel to. the same way. I mean <laughs> – I'm barely getting by with the with the racing, but I mean, do you have do you have something lined up that you're planning to do? You know, I uh, so I did I my first the seventy point three last year was the first one I ever did actually. Uh, oh. I did four thirty four, and I I would love to. I think I've got twenty minutes in me, and I I feel like I want to find a fast race to, uh, like location to do it. Um, kind of Cozumel looks interesting. Um, yeah. Well, you can so drive up I, to Atlantic City. Yeah, well, that's right. That's not too far either. I just need a flat, cool course. It's very flat. Yeah. Honestly, I I do miss the, you know, we were in Hong Kong for nine years and Hong Kong has, you know, probably three to 400 kilometers of trails and just magic scenery. And in Raleigh here in North Carolina, where our headquarters is, it's it's fairly flat, really. Um, So I'm kind of missing the hills a lot. I would like to get back to do some good elevation uh, ultras. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I've never done an ultra. I just love talking to people that do all of these like ultra endurance races. It's so much fun to hear. I I feel the adventure vibe, but I'm like sticking to my (laughs) (laughs) 70.3. We just had a, we just had a ambassador at Esfield's uh, go and finish, uh, her first, uh, English channel swim, uh, oh three weeks ago, I think it was. And she just did a podcast. We, we run a podcast too. And, and it was just fascinating story of why, what goes through your mind for, you know, 14 hours of swimming. Uh, how do you handle when you get stung six times by a jellyfish? Like, how do you keep going? What does fueling mean? Uh, what time uh, it's just fascinating. Um, so yeah, how did she fuel on the race? You know, it's funny because she did she did a race before the channel, which was I think thirty, I think it's thirty something kilometers, and uh, she did all of that on our train product um, for the English Channel because again back then we didn't we only had the train product. So right. now since then we've had the race product. So 
She used the race product. And what was interesting, I didn't realize, but because you've got currents, like strong currents mm-hmm. out in the ocean, you can't just sit around at an, like an aid station and sit for 10, you know, for, for five minutes because yeah. <laughs> you lost everything you just did. So it's a, you know, pound it down and keep swimming kind yeah. of approach. So, you know, what she said is like, there's very few products that, you know, in fact, the photographer said to us just this week, he's photographed for a lot of these swimmers and just many of them, uh, you know, so many hours in start getting the gut problems. And, yeah. uh, and it's, you know, partly because of what it is and partly because they have to put it down so fast. Right. Wow. That's so interesting. And yeah, so yeah. Do, like, what's your podcast? Because I don't see your podcast on your website. Yeah. It's called Monday Mindshare. Actually, uh, Aaron, you might've met Aaron out at Utah. He was in the booth there. He runs it for us. Um, he has athletes, um, in it and, um, and then he also has, you know, myself and others where we're talking about more of some of the science behind, you know, the, the use of the products and things like that. Uh, so yeah, you can find that out That's on S cool. on YouTube. You can, uh, just type in S fuels on YouTube and you'll see the channel there. And we've, we've probably got, I don't know, a hundred, hundred episodes there. And is it, um, oh, so it's not, it's not on the podcast channels. It's on YouTube or both. Yeah. It's on YouTube on our, obviously on our site. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. I see. Oh, okay. Got it. I see your YouTube channel, but I didn't see cool. like a headphone, like the podcast icon. Got it. It's yeah. Right. Video. Maybe you can uh, coach us on how to do this better <laughs> or something. <right? laughs> oh my God. I see your <laughs> microphone. It's great. I like it. I got to, I got to kind of look the part at least right on this. Uh. Yeah, no, it's, you're doing great. So tell me, you know, as someone who's been in endurance sports and a founder and entrepreneur, what are some lessons you take from training and racing that you bring to having a business and growing that business? Yeah. Uh, you know, you might see under our brand is this go longer construct and that really is grounded in the, Hey, in the moment, in the race, go longer, but also in the spirit of just, you know, the, these, they're lifestyles we love, right. These, this, what we, how we live and uh, we want that to go longer. And I think in, in business, in entrepreneurial business, like I've, I, I, I've worked in uh, fortune 50 tech companies and what have you, a small business, there's just a lot of tenacity needed. And I think it's just very similar to, endurance athletes, it's, um, you know, actually finish lines are kind of, in my opinion, a little overrated. I, I really like, uh, the, I, I don't think I'd ever do it just for the finish line. If I didn't really enjoy the Saturday morning ride, uh, the swim, uh, getting out on a trail and running, it's that just experience of it all. And I think with small business, whatever it is that you decide to stand up, you better love it because you're going to need tenacity to stick through it. So that's the biggest thing. If you're forced into it, if you're half, half baked into it, I'm not sure you're going to have, have the, the, you know, the length to stay, to stay the way. So. And yeah. what about vice versa? Like all your years in business and medicine and all the work you've done, how does that inform your, your training and racing? You know, in, in, in large companies, I, I just think, uh, and particularly for, in fact, the initial intent before we called it S fuels as a company, we, we actually listed the company as spike free. Um, the intention was to build products for corporate executives, whereby they were doing a lot of miles in the air 
their access to, um, I would just say, a balanced carbohydrate existence was really hard. And I still feel like as we go into this new segment of keto on the go, that um, it's still a unsupported segment. They still feel like they have to hit the buffet at the hotel in the morning, go off and do uh, meetings all day, jump on a plane and eat plain food right. and come home. And their adrenaline's so high from the day that they go and pound, you know, something when they get home also. And I just, like we've got to do better by these folks. So these people are running some of the biggest companies, uh, biggest government positions. They just, they need better. Yeah. And uh, I just think there's so much room for innovation there. And we're going to have a crack at uh, building products for that. That's awesome. That's great. Well, this has been really. No, I did say at some point, and I, you know, we, we talk about this and it's kind of in jest at the moment, but you know, I will say that we eye off the uh, esports industry with interest because the esports industry is a massive and it's growing, but those athletes, right. Very similar in the spirit. They can be sitting behind a gaming console for five hours in a day, either training or in competition and have a guess what they're doing. They're pounding carbohydrates, they're pounding caffeine. And, uh, we think we can, uh, we can improve that. Awesome. Well, this has been really great. Thank you. Leighton for being on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure, Marnie, and I uh, look forward to uh, talking in time as uh, things move forward. Uh, just a lot of change in the world right now, so uh, let's keep uh, keep connected. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 